Welcome to the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast from the editors of Rider Magazine and RiderMagazine.com, bringing you motorcycling at its best in our magazine and on the web for 46 years, and now in our regular podcast. This is Mark Tuttle, editor of Rider Magazine. Today we're going to share a bit of news from the world of motorcycling, and then I will be interviewing Eric Tro, the author of our monthly riding well column, as well as the uh, owner of Stand Safe Motorcycle Training, uh, based uh, in Pennsylvania, but uh, with with classes all over the country when uh, it's not locked down in a pandemic. Um, Eric's going to share his insights on motorcycle safety and training and uh, oh, a bunch of other things as well. So stick around for that after the news. At this point, it probably won't come as a surprise to anyone that uh, the international motorcycle shows uh, sponsored by Progressive Insurance that normally run from uh, November through February in oh, seven or eight locations around the country aren't uh, going to be held in, at that time or in convention centers this year or early next. Instead, IMS is taking the shows outdoors, uh, starting uh, in the spring-like weather of May 2021, um, and uh, will greatly expand the uh, uh, number of things that they generally offer at the shows as a result. In addition to displays and demos of the latest two-wheelers and ATVs, now IMS says that you can expect to see overland products and electric bicycles, RVs, and more in what will likely be um, coliseums and and special outdoor venues uh, specifically for the shows. Progressive is still the sponsor, and IMS says that you can still look for the wonderful Discover the Ride program, which uh, introduces uh, kids and adults uh, to riding in a number of special ways. It's a really super program, and I'm glad to hear that that's coming back. Um, Dates are going to be announced in December, and uh, let's hope there's a whole bunch of them. You can learn more at continuetheride.com, where uh, in addition to information about the shows, IMS has created a a number of information portals that are really cool, so check it out. Normally this time of year, uh, September, October, we'd be awash in uh, new Harley and Indian models to tell you about, but um, although Indian introduced a couple of specials, uh, for the most part, Uh, They seem to be waiting for the 2021 calendar year as well as model year to uh, show off their new stuff, which is not unexpected in these strange times. Um, We are riding BMW's new R18 big boxer cruiser, though, which is uh, lives up to all expectations. It's it's quite quite a, a fun cruiser to ride with great sound and torque and. Um, you know, the usual cruiser limitations, short travel suspension, kind of a rough ride and back, um, brakes that need a good squeeze, that sort of thing. But man, does it look cool. Um, some people have complained about the muffler 
being too large, but you know, I can say with all honesty that much of that is in the photos. When you see it in person, uh, it, it looks just fine. Um, you know how they say that the movies put on 10 pounds or being in the movies put on 10 pounds. Well, it's something similar with the, the muffler on the R18 in photos. So be sure to check it out in person. In addition to those two 2021 Indian specials, um, one based on a Roadmaster, the Roadmaster Limited, uh, Indian also will have the Indian Vintage Dark Horse. Triumph has uh, uh, actually been the next to unveil a 2021 model with a new Trident, which uh, they're, they're pretty uh, reserved about providing details, but we believe it's based on the 675 engine from uh, a few years ago and um, looks to be a, going to be a, a lower priced uh, offering uh, similar to the Yamaha MT-07, Suzuki SV650 and so on. Um, and um, the camouflage models we've seen that they've teased uh, look pretty good with some uh, nice lines and styling. Um, no uh, arrival date has been announced yet, but we expect to see production models here pretty soon. When it's introduced, the Trident will be the only triple in a field con that consists mostly of parallel and V-twins, so that should set it apart pretty nicely with some good power and sound. All right, that's it for the news. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Eric Tro, the author of our Riding Well column, and owner of Stand Safe Motorcycle Training. This is Mark Tuttle. You're listening to the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast. Stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Mark Tuttle, editor of Rider Magazine. You're listening to the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast today. And we're here with Eric Tro author of our Riding Well column since 2008, and a renowned motorcycle safety expert and uh, lifelong motorcyclist. Good morning, Eric. Uh, good morning, Mark. How are you? Oh, I'm, uh, can, I'm can doing you, well. Can you hear me okay? Well, sort of, yeah. You sound a little funny. Hey, uh, hang, on just a, hang on just a second. I'll get this helmet off. There we go. Uh, Is this any better? Oh, yes. Much better. Okay. Thank you. Just coming Good. back from a ride, are you? <laughs> well, no. It's just you know all the all the, all the gear all the time, uh, <laughs> at, you know, here in the house. Uh, so you case. never can be too safe. Yeah, yeah. You never know when a cupboard door <laughs> is going to whack you in the head or something. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah, yeah. Well, Eric, I yeah. uh, appreciate your being with us on the show today. Um, you've oh, been, uh, you know, in addition to um, contributing your great column every month. You run the Staying Safe Motorcycle Training Program, which has put uh, hundreds of riders through the, or you put hundreds of riders through the training course, which is mm -hmm. uh, unique in a number of ways. Can you uh, tell us a bit about that, how it got started, what makes it unique, et cetera, et cetera? Sure, sure, sure. Um, you know, for, for, the program actually started, uh, as most of your listeners know, uh, with uh, a fellow named Grodsky, a guy named Larry Grodsky, who has a nice long history with Rider Magazine and uh, 
Larry is also from the Pittsburgh area, and uh, I got to know him when I was working as an MSF instructor, or rider coach, as we used to be called back then. And um, it was, uh, there were folks who, who were saying, hey, you, you guys ought to meet, uh, because I had been doing all the parking lot stuff for a long time, and Larry had at one time been the site coordinator. Staying Safe is an on-street training program um, that really came out of Larry's experience with working with the MSF, uh, Motorcycle Safety Foundation, with beginner riders. And it was always the belief of, well, okay, you finish that up and it's really valuable, but it qualifies you to ride in the parking lot. What about yeah. that transition onto the street? And so Larry developed the program originally as the, okay, now what answer for newer riders and taking them out onto, onto the street. And I think what he found was uh, there were a lot of experienced riders who were looking for additional training and real time. The beauty of it is it's real time coaching in real world uh, and riding environments. So it's very, very relevant and immediate application of strategies that we, that, that are actually introduced uh, in the MSF program. And uh, the program kind of evolved from there. My involvement in it uh, came through that introduction where he was looking for someone to uh, assist him and work with him on his uh, southeastern Ohio tours. And uh, the, the appeal to me, Mark, was originally, I have to admit this, the appeal to me was, oh, wait a minute. So you take, you go out on the road. I don't have to stand in the middle of a parking lot every weekend <laughs> watching other people ride motorcycles. Around cones. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, so that was the appeal to me. And uh, uh, then once I got out, out there and uh, had a chance to participate in that and saw the tremendous value of being able to learn this way. And I'll be honest with you, the thing that uh, did kind of uh, concern me a little bit was uh, when I went initially as a student, you know, Larry took me out and said, hey, you know, let me show you how this works. And uh, so I became a student of his first. And uh, I really was afraid he was going to just suck all the fun out of riding. I mean, safety is not a uh, you know, typically, especially if you enjoy riding at a, at a nice spirit and pace, you, you really enjoy the twisties and, and, you know, turning up the whip now and then. Right. Uh, I really thought all he was going to do is tell me to slow down, slow down, slow down. And uh, um, what I learned pretty quickly was uh, actually when you know when to ride more slowly, you can ride faster and without all those uh-oh moments. Sure. So that was, uh, you know, that I just fell in love with it as a, uh, as a great way to train riders and, now, did Frankly, he, it keeps me sharp too. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Did he use uh, the the um, video and and one way communication that you use now? Back then, he used I think originally used a lot of hand signals. Oh. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, the, te <laughs> the technology has really come a long way. Yeah. Now he did. Uh, quite frankly, he was pioneering some of the uh, use of radios, uh, and that used to be at that time it was really that was the, the toughest part of the whole thing was the reliability of the radio systems and so forth. And, um, you know, back then he was, it was also video was tape, you know, it wasn't digital oh, at that point when yeah. he was really going through it. When I first started working with him, we were using, um, uh, you know, small format videotape, uh, on a, on a handlebar mounted camera. And of course that's the technology's really, really worked to our favor through the years where, uh, there's just so much that's possible with small equipment and everything. But uh, yeah. interestingly enough, the, the, the 
instructor radio system we use is still i found that the the autocom system that larry was using oh, yeah. uh they're getting hard to find you know but mm -hmm. they're a workhorse and it works great from that standpoint and what we do is we give uh, uh the participating riders the students uh we give them a handheld uh you know just something they can slip in their pocket a uh, little frs radio and and they can just plug a set of earbuds into it and uh, uh and you know we broadcast to those radios and it's a one-way communication right. just to keep things nice and clean you know but and, uh, it works great and we should clarify maybe you already said this but we should clarify that this is on one of your training tours where you, yeah. you ride from point a to point b spend the night do it again the next day that sort of thing and, and the, the yeah that's a good are... point because we wouldn't want people to think that we're just sitting on the motorcycles and doing that so yeah. um <laughs> the uh yeah that's and that's one of the things that's really uh, has turned out to be uh, a, a real attraction to folks because it is the neat combination of uh, this highly relevant on-road training in the in real riding environments, but it's done as a guided tour to a great extent, which is an appeal to a lot of riders. Is uh, we pick out in advance some of the very best roads in the uh, in a region, and we. Uh, I got to the point with this program where we were conducting uh, um, tours in, in 10 states. So it's, that's wow. a lot of different riding environments, and each one's a little bit different, even though the curriculum is, is consistent. And what you do is it's a, it's a couple days. Uh, well, we do anything from a half day to a three-day uh, tour and um, uh, provide coaching on these great roads, beautifully, you know, very scenic and a wonderful, uh, quaint overnight stay. And uh, just wonderful opportunities for some camaraderie, a lot of conversation. And then the other thing, in addition to the on-road portion of it, where you're getting live coaching, is uh, at the side of the road. We stop periodically, and we use the uh, the side of the road as a as a classroom and do what we call chalk talks, mm -hmm. uh, where we diagram curves and we we discuss the best lines to take through them and. And uh, it's a nice way to be able to bring all of that together, and uh, that that does give people a chance to to actually you know, communicate oh, uh, at that point too, I, like a classroom. I've mm -hmm. heard from so many riders who have taken your courses that they went in not, you know, sort of skeptical thinking that, uh, sure. oh, you know, my skills don't need improving and they came out with their eyes wide open and, uh, you know. They're, <laughs> I, I, they're honestly, the, the hard, yeah, the hardest part is getting someone to take it the first time and mm -hmm. what uh, really blew me away uh, as soon as I, uh, uh, really started running the program was how much of our business is repeat business. We get people coming back for refreshers or they say, okay, I've done Ohio. I want to see what uh, Georgia is like and how is it, how is this different and how's California and so forth yeah. Um, yeah. because they get hooked. Uh, yeah. And it's exactly as you say, they don't necessarily, I think that's the thing that's probably for all of us, um, is the scariest part about motorcycling is when you don't know what you don't know. Um, you yeah. know, that's, that's what got me, what got me started into the whole safety thing in the beginning was actually tied to a uh, crash that I had back, back when I was in college. Um, and, uh, you know, that's something that I'm happy to share what that story is, if you like. Yeah, sure. You know, tell us what, what, uh, you know, in addition to that, I mean, I should say, um, Eric is uh, speaking with us from uh, his log cabin in Irwin, Irwin, right? Irwin, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, east of yeah, yeah, a little east of Pittsburgh. Yep. Well, you sound like you're right next door. That's 
I wish you were, actually. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. That would be wonderful. Uh, and uh, uh, you've got a few bikes in the stable out there and, and uh, ride for pleasure in addition to, to train, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And in fact, this... You know, this year, the pandemic has actually, you know, has impacted everybody, and it's certainly impacted us in terms of our tour schedule and everything. Uh, but what that's done is given, a, given me more of a chance to get out and do some pleasure riding again, which mm -hmm. I haven't done in a while. Um, you know, we can, to a great extent, it's, uh, you know, I'll call it uh, um, doing some scouting rides to determine some new, uh, you know, some new places for us to do our training. But uh, it's just, it's so great to get out and yeah. Um, I do have a handful of different bikes and, um, you know, mine is an equal opportunity garage. There's, a, <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's a variety in there. And, and, uh, uh, and I think I, I get, I, knowing you, I think you share the same thing as it's, uh, there's, there's, there's something rewarding about every one of those bikes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have, um, Let's see. At this point, I've ha I've owned over more than 40 motorcycles, I guess, up to this point. Um, had ridden BMWs for a lot of years, uh, including a 1200 GS that I used for quite a while with the uh, training program until right. just a couple of years ago when okay. we uh, lost our local dealer and uh, replaced that with a Yamaha Super Tenere. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's worked out real well. Um, the oddball bike that I would use for the West Coast training tours uh, is a Buell Ulysses. Uh, and as if that's not odd enough, uh, it's a Buell Ulysses police model. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, which there were bike. only 137 <laughs> of those made. Yeah. Wow. And uh, great. Good bike. Yeah, it's a, it's a really neat, neat machine. And I wound up uh, riding that cross country and was, was fabulous. And so I kept that in Las Vegas. I still have a BMW left. I have a 74 BMW R75 that is uh, exactly like the one I had in uh, late college. And for a few years afterwards, it had been... Uh, the original one had been my dad's bike. And that was the bike that uh, first time I ever did a cross country trip uh, was on that bike. And it's interesting to get back on it uh, or, or one that's identical. And uh, oddly enough, it's still like a second skin after all these years, yeah. I spent so much time on it and, uh, and all the little idiosyncrasies and everything, you just kind of go right back into it again. With oh them. yeah. They become like family members, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, they really yeah. do. Okay, Eric, you, uh, uh, in addition to your bikes, you had earlier, you'd mentioned that a crash got you started in the whole um, staying safe training concept. So I'm not going to let you off the hook for telling us about that. <laughs> oh, fair, fair enough. Uh, that, that uh, uh, you know, I think everybody, you know, and you've said this before too, is everybody has a crash story of some sort and, uh, in a way that's unfortunate. And for me, in, in many ways, when I hear these stories, um, it's, it's a little bit tough because what I've come to learn is that motorcycles only crash for a handful of reasons. And unfortunately we keep repeating those generation after generation, we just keep repeating the same things. Uh, and, and we do have control over those. That takes me back to what got me started into the safety aspect of things in the beginning. And that was, uh, you know, I had learned to ride when I was seven years old. My grandfather had a motorcycle shop that I spent my summers there and, and uh, just rode for hours and hours and hours, starting out like a lot of your listeners and readers. I'm sure that uh, the, the, the Honda Z50 was a wonderful way to get into riding. Okay. And uh, yep. you know, I'd ride all day and then strap a flashlight on at night. So I spent all these years riding in the dirt. And as I got older, then I transitioned to, uh, the, to the street. And um, 
honestly, I was a, a little confident, maybe overconfident, and I uh, was riding on uh, a section out here, Route 33, that goes through the mountains of West Virginia from, uh, from Virginia, and uh, mountain roads that are, uh, you know, they're challenging. And uh, back then, I used to think that <gasps> was just a natural part of riding. Uh, I thought that was part of the excitement of riding. And uh, <laughs> uh, so what happened was, in one particular case, I had been... Um, on a downhill section of road, blind curve, um, went in a little bit faster than I had expected uh, as I started to run out of roadway. And uh, uh, at that point, I wound up ultimately crashing. Now, here's the thing. I didn't know why. And so afterwards, uh, it was really more humbling than anything else. And what I learned was I had had a textbook crash. Hmm. Uh, and that was... Um, going into a corner, you know, not getting the right entry speed, at least with what I should have been comfortable with, uh, overusing the rear brake and not really using the front brake effectively, um, then looking at what I was, where I was afraid I was going to crash, which we all know that, uh, you know, I come to learn that you go where you look. Right. So naturally, I rode off the road, pretty much bailed on even trying to make it through the corner. And in retrospect, that's, I mean, I ride that, it's interesting to ride that ride, that same stretch of road on our West Virginia tour, uh, and it's just completely a non-issue, yeah. uh, and would have been a non-issue had I stayed with it, and uh, had I known more, and that's when, uh, quite frankly, I started to read, I, mean, I was already reading Rider Magazine back then, and uh, but I started paying a little more attention to the safety uh, column, columnist. that was Stuart Monroe back then, yes. that's how old I am, yep. okay, yep. Um, and uh, just started to learn everything that I could about what in the world happened there. And uh, uh, that's where I say, if you, you learning what you, that uh, you don't know what you don't know and, uh, and then building on that so you can learn as much as you can. And yeah, yeah. as the MSF says, the, the more, you know, the better it gets. Right. Right. Uh, well, and to that end, what uh, considering the pandemic and all, what are, what are your plans for this year and, and the future with, uh, with stand safe? Uh, well, I gave up riding. Uh, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, in fact, taking every opportunity. Now, the, as uh, the pandemic, uh, like with everybody else, has uh, had an impact. Um, so we put the, uh, the tours on uh, a bit of a hiatus here, but that's giving uh, me a wonderful opportunity. Uh, and with my guys uh, as well is we are refreshing uh, some of our training materials that we hadn't had time to address in a while, uh, reevaluating uh, a number of the tools that we use. And uh, I mentioned earlier, the technology is allowing us to do more things. So we want to in integrate that a bit more. And uh, we're looking at some virtual components. And now that more and more riders, for instance, even uh, are, are capturing footage of their own riding, uh, is adding that component to uh, even as follow-up or as a precursor to uh, taking an actual tour uh, is is actually working with them and evaluating some of their own riding uh, based on the footage that they can provide. So oh. that's a nice a nice ability to be able to do that. And uh, as we always say, you, you, when you invest in one of the training tours, you're investing in more than a weekend. We're here for you in the long run, and uh, that gives us more opportunity to be able to uh, to do that. Oh, that's great. And and of course, listeners can find out a lot more at StayingSafe.com, right? Or it's just staying yep. safe. Exactly. No G in no saying. G. Okay. So, yep. Yeah. Stayinsafe.com. And uh, what I would encourage folks to do, too, is take a look there. We're, um, we're going to be doing some updates on the uh, website as well here. But uh, 
Also, if you have any questions at all, I would, I would recommend looking through the FAQ section there, uh, the frequently asked questions that uh, helps people understand a little bit more about what we do. And uh, we try to do a nice job of describing what we, uh, how the program works, because it is different than parking lot and track-based programs. And uh, encourage anyone at any time to uh, use that contact form and, and reach out because uh, uh, more than happy and would absolutely love to talk to riders about uh, what it is that they're looking for and answer any questions that anybody has or, or even just talk bikes. Great. Great. Yeah. Always like to talk bikes. Well, we've got a little bit of time left. Let me um, ask you some of the canned questions that I came up with uh, <laughs> sure. before we started this. I think that uh, fans of your column in particular would be interested in the answers to these. Um, the first one is, what do you consider the top three skills every motorcyclist should master? Mm -hmm. Top three skills. I would say that they that, that riders need to have, you're saying? Well, that, that every motorcyclist should know by heart, by rote. Yeah. Uh, well, sit, to me, situational awareness is number one. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot to that. Uh, but uh, let's see. And I would put number two uh, would be situational awareness, I think, <laughs> would be uh, okay. a, a good second one. And, <laughs> and two, third, you can predict. Yeah, exactly. And number okay. three is uh, is the same. And I think part of that, even just based on what we were talking about, is uh, also having self-awareness. And that is really understanding and being honest with ourselves about what what our skill level is and uh, and riding within our limits. Uh, so I guess that's that's actually its own own thing there as well. Yeah, oh, that, that makes good sense. All right. Number two, mm -hmm. what do you consider or in your experience, what is the most uh, common lack of skill or riding error that you see uh, among new newbies in your classes? Well, that's uh, that's a good question, and uh, the it, it, one of them ties to the situational awareness part, and that is, I see one of the first things that we see, even with highly experienced riders, is that riders tend to let their eyes drop; they're not looking very far ahead. Um, so getting eyes up, uh, we call it, you know, it's just like you're, you're uh, riding it uh, with your headlights at night is you want to put your high beams on, get your eyes up. We call those getting your eye beams up and uh, taking in all of the information that's around you. There's uh, when we get our eyes up and looking well ahead, uh, it's amazing how much information is available to us. And what that allows us to do is take all that in. And if you think about it, it buys you space and it buys you time. Uh, because we can see things farther, uh, farther in advance, and if we have space and time, we can avoid crashes. So that's one of the one of the most important aspects, and one of the uh, most lacking is riders. Just that, that's what we hear from a lot of times from the students when we're giving commentary, especially early on, and and I'm sharing with riders where I'm looking and what I'm picking up on, and, and you hear afterwards, they say, "Oh my gosh, I have no idea yeah. how far ahead we could be looking." Yeah. Uh, so, so that's, that's one of the key things that, okay. uh, that I think there is. Which ties into um, also following distance, both yours and the, and monitoring the person behind you as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, without a doubt. And, and turn entry speed is another one that is, uh, uh, riders are just not necessarily able to judge, uh, appropriate turn entry speed and find themselves needing to, uh, try to find ways to slow down in the middle of the corner because they're surprised by uh, uh, 
by maybe how sharp the bend is. And, um, you know, that's something that's relatively easy to work through, but to find that actually more experienced riders who become more comfortable on the motorcycle are uh, uh, sometimes more guilty of that than newer riders are. Okay. Yeah. I, and I then, think that answers, that also answers my third question, which is most important skills to practice. And again, I think we're talking about eyes up situational awareness, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you notice too, though, I tend to, concentrate a lot on the 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 more the mental aspects of riding and uh, a little less emphasis on some of the physical things but when it comes to practicing mm -hmm. i think there are some physical skills that are uh definitely worth working on and that is uh uh honestly slow speed stability uh and maneuvering is one of the skills that's most lacking in almost all you know, almost all riders who don't practice it mm -hmm. uh, and they tend to avoid it. So that's one that I encourage riders is, you know, don't, don't step away from it. Don't just try to avoid it. We're going to have to stop and park our bikes and do a U-turn and that sort of thing at some point. And uh, so, you know, I'm a big fan of take something you hate and turn it into something you love. And slow speed handling is one of those things that can go from being the enemy to something you actually look forward to. Um, yeah, believe me, uh, believe it or not, you know, that's something that, that, that can happen there. So uh, there are a lot of ways to do that, even on a parking lot with painted lines. And, and uh, I like to make a game of things. So uh, there are opportunities to practice slow speed stability in traffic. Uh, just, um, you know, when you're approaching a stoplight, see how long you can keep your feet up, just uh, keeping the clutch in the friction zone and eyes looking far ahead and just see how, how well you can control that uh even in a straight line oh, that's man there are a number of ways to practice that sort of thing that's great advice great advice well eric I, we're just about out of time so anything else you'd uh, you'd like to share with the uh, rider magazine insider listeners today oh yeah we were we were just getting started there Mark. <laughs> well there, there's going to be part, <laughs> part two of course we'll, we'll, oh, we'll have goodness. you back again uh in short order well thanks yeah. The, the only thing that I throw out there too, Mark, is just reminding everybody that training, I, I would encourage everyone, try to take whatever training you, program you can get and not, not one thing uh, covers it all. And uh, uh, you find that it's, uh, it's really, really valuable and it adds to the enjoyment, not just the safety uh, aspect of riding. Terrific. Thanks very much, Eric. I hope we get to go for a ride uh, together again one of these days. It's been far too long. Me too, my friend. Thank yeah. you. Great talking with you. All right. Take care. This is Mark Tuttle, editor of Rider Magazine. Thanks for listening to the Rider Magazine Insider Podcast. Feel free to reach out to us through our ridermagazine.com website on our like-name social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or email us directly at rider at ridermagazine.com. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate your interest.